Hello, good day, and welcome to another episode of the Arena Craft Podcast, a show dedicated exclusively to Magic the Gathering Arena. I'm one of your hosts, Arjuna. I am joined today by the other host, Covert Go Blue, and CGB, I know we often struggle to fill the hour with things we're interested to talk about, and uh, today is no exception, am I right? Today is... An exception. I'm going to bring... I got to... No, I can't. I can't play along. I can't pretend any longer. It is apparently so hot in this podcast, and he doesn't want me to say it. Arjuna has already taken off his shirt. Oh, baby. Like, it is that... It is already smoking in here, and we got a lot to cover. Yes, indeed. We actually have a metric crap ton of stuff to talk about today. This is one of the most exciting weekends of the year. We have our fall set, which has just been released on Arena, and uh, these post-rotation sets are usually heavy hitters, and with the rotation, it's just usually a lot happening in the space. So uh, most of what we're going to talk about today is just the Zendikar Rising meta in standard, all of the things that have changed in such a short, short amount of time. (laughs) But... First, CGB, let's just check in on the Early Access event, because both of us played in that, and I think it's safe to say we both had a blast. I know that you... Okay, so I'm, I don't want to, you know, speak for you, but I know you had one of the most epic streams you've ever done. Is that correct? I had the largest stream audience I've ever had, be, besides getting raids or hosted by, like, a major player like the magic mothership or something like that which was absolutely thrilling so thank you to everybody who showed up and enjoyed the show and throughout many people said how much they love the arena craft podcast actually in my yeah baby which was very very fun love it i also streamed the longest amount of hours i've ever done in a day in like a 24-hour cycle i think i streamed 18 and a half hours which you were an absolute <sighs> mad lad, my buddy. I I I I couldn't sleep, and I came back on at like two a.m. and you were still going. So that must have been what, like five your time? That's five a.m. my time. Yeah, yeah. ridiculous. And I mean, and the secret. I, I told this to a few people in chat who were up super late. You know, a few like a thousand people. Like what the hell? Um, but I told them I always like don't sleep during early access. I always stay up almost all night playing with the new cards. But I usually am not streaming. Uh, I usually like I can only do so much with people watching me, and then I need to just explore stuff myself without chat yelling at me that this sucks and to play this and play that. And I told them all this, and then I said, and I think the reason I'm just still streaming here is because I have completely found the ability to stop listening to things I don't want to listen to on chat. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the wall of the wall of positivity could not be shattered for that period of time. Like, <laughs> hey, CGB, play veto. Boing, deflected. On God. <laughs> Not, doesn't get to me today. CGB, your face is punchable and you sound like an idiot. Boom, does not bother me today. I've got Zendi cards, baby. You made yourself this happy pillow fort of Azorius control and, and you just rode through the evening on that, as I recall. <laughs> I just countered every every bit they could throw at me. Yep. <laughs> so that was awesome. Um, yeah, I, I had a really fun day as well. I did not have the stamina you did. I probably streamed about six hours. It was on the tail end of a work day for me. But I also had an excellent time. Yep, I mostly played Constructed, and I got a little bit of draft in, although it was kind of a shame, actually, the draft queues weren't firing. So I didn't get oh to do... Oh my gosh, really? Yeah, I didn't get to do as much wow. of that as I wanted to. It was kind of a surprise to me. So I think... Probably a lot of people were just really excited to dust off their Lotus Cobras and and get Cobra-ing. I, I never heard the drafts weren't firing. That's kind of a big deal in early access because they have taken steps to get a lot of people into it. Yeah. But if their drafts aren't firing, like, limited fans out there, come on. Like, yeah. It was, like, it was kind of a bummer. Some content. Yeah, it was kind of a Or at least I definitely wasn't interested in waiting, like, over five minutes to get in, you know? So so I played mostly mostly standard and uh, had some fun. We'll discuss that a little bit 
more later in the episode. But it was a great stream. A lot of people showed up, said hi. It's been really, really wonderful hanging out with, you know, the regulars in the chat, meeting a lot of new folks. Some folks hopped over from your stream and said what's up. So overall, it was just a really wonderful day and I had a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. Uh, early access events, highly recommended if you can do the content creator program. There's a lot of like, I, I don't know, I wouldn't call it misinformation. It's accurate, but you do have to at least have a Twitch account and do a few challenges, like a challenge every 45 days to stay in it. But some yeah. of those are very easy. Like one is literally to tweet and say that you're in it, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. If if you're someone who, you know, has been streaming a little bit and, you know, plays a lot of magic and has opinions about magic and stuff like that, yeah, it's worth just, you know, doing your stream a little more regularly, making a Twitter account, you know, posting some hot takes, join the creator program, and it's a good deal, man. It really is. So, yeah, that was... Super awesome. Now, I have to say that the the bucket of ice-cold water, which followed it, mm. was mm. was pretty frustrating. And I don't know about you, CGB, but this time around just got me, man. There was there was something about... Okay, so so what, what I'm alluding to here is, of course, the basically what seemed to be inevitable release day issues on Arena, the Thursday when the set drops which has basically forever been the day that Arena crashes for, you know, 60% of all users. And a lot of people don't get to play the game they love on, you know, one of the four most exciting days of the year. To be honest, it was frustrating for me. And what was really painful was to, you know, go on to Twitch streams like, I don't know, Crokies with over 5,000 viewers struggling to get into a game of freaking magic yeah <laughs> i mean the guys top of the game can't play release day cgb you know what you had like 3k viewers something like that struggling to get into a game of magic <laughs> i mean it's embarrassing man it's embarrassing oh, i man. mean how, how does it feel for you cgb the, thank you for asking because apparently the combination of long streaming hours and sleep deprivation just kept the shield in place because it didn't bother me. <laughs> but, but I mean, that's because I'm making content, right? Like yeah. I specifically said, okay, this is the situation. My strategic plan for content was to see if I just to see how much I could tilt people. Yeah. So the name of my stream, which I was told was the best title for a stream ever, was black screen featuring occasional magic. <laughs> I mean, if that doesn't and sum it up, I don't know what does. I, I barely, I, I think I only played like one game the whole stream. Yeah. And the rest of the time was me trying to transact through the store to buy my cards. And it was exciting because wizards in their infinite wisdom has built three points of failure into this when their servers are unstable. It could fail while you're purchasing the gems with your credit card it could fail while you're purchasing the packs with your gems and it can fail when you're opening the gems them the, the packs themselves <laughs> so through all of this like it felt like people just couldn't look away because at any point i could get scammed out of like a hundred dollars like that there was a lot of enthusiasm about this from what i can tell i was not necessarily scammed but it occurred to us at one point when i checked my like because you would open 10 packs and then nothing would happen, but the packs would be gone. And you'd be like, what? And then you'd go check your collection, and it would say you have these new rares. And you're like, oh, okay. But the thing I never checked was the wild cards. Like, if my wild card counter was going up at the same time. But it it was really funny. Obviously, it was like a train wreck situation. And if I, if I did get in, if I actually was able to log into Arena, everybody's like, whitelisted streamer, you know. And if I couldn't get in, everybody's like, ha! <laughs> <laughs> and you know i you really made lemonade with the situation and you know croquis did an admirable job everyone trying to stream on that day did the best they could but i don't know man i like the elephant in the room here is that this game has been this game is an officially released game it's no longer in beta we've been playing it literally for years now and i just feel like it's unacceptable to have this mm. kind of stuff happening. I mean, I think it's safe to say, 
I don't think this is an exaggeration. I think that this past Thursday was the hottest day of the year for Arena. I think that there were probably more people wanting to log in and play the game on that Thursday than probably any other day of this year. Do you think that that's, you know, safe to say, or at least a a safe guess? Yes, I think that's potentially true, and it might have a lot to do. If you're Wizards of the Coast, and you look at how many people have Arena accounts, and how many people you expect to play, I mean, they could listen to people, like on Twitter and things like that. I don't think they... I think they hear them without listening. No, no, no. This is a white man can't jump reference. They listen to them, but they don't hear the people on Twitter. Because what they don't realize is how many of those inactive accounts they have on their books that are just waiting for cards they hate to go away. And I think that they weren't ready for the people who are willing to come back and play this game. And that's a positive. But them not being ready, like, we're running out of excuses. We've done this every time. And this should have been, if there was a day to pump some extra dollars into server capacity, man, do what you got to do. That's what I'm saying, man. Call AWS, call whatever cloud service you use. Heck, like, if you host it in-house, buy more servers, dude. Do what it takes. I'm with you. Like, just do what it takes. You literally, this is the equivalent of people lined up around the block at every Apple store for the next freaking iPod release or the next iPhone release or whatever, right? Like, this is the same thing. You have literally millions of people around the world who want to pay you $100 to buy a bunch of packs and, and get playing your game. Except it's digital. So <laughs> it's there's no capacity issue. Tech there shouldn't be a capacity issue like how many people can fit in the store. We shouldn't have to have like a a fear that we're never going to get in and it it yeah. It's yeah. So <clears throat> it's it's the kind of thing where when it happened in the past Okay, still figuring things out, ironing out the bugs or whatever. But the fact that we all could have anticipated it and then the fact that it played out exactly that way, it's just frustrating. It really is. And I don't know. I don't I don't want to spend the majority of this show complaining, but I have to say that it made me embarrassed. I mean, quite frankly, it made me embarrassed. And you know what was really embarrassing? I saw tweets from Arena Decklist podcast, one of the biggest podcasts in the magic space saying sorry folks we can't release a show on time because neither of us can play the freaking game okay yeah a lot of podcasts are doing that yeah what part of that doesn't just seem like an absolute disaster to wizards of the coast so anyway i i'm not sure there's much more we can say on that but i had to vent my frustration on that and i know that so many other players and definitely other content creators were feeling the squeeze as well Can I say something really, like, I've got a great transition because you talked about the (laughs) bugs. So I'm going to be like, speaking of bugs, but um, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, have you seen those scoot mobs? But (laughs) they're scoot swarms. Anyway, um, but the the other thing I want to say on this is, like, we make lemons out of lemonade as content creators. But one of these really strange things that happens when you're a content creator is people affiliate you so much with the game that's having issues that they think you can either solve or help them solve their issues. If you have a black screen on your computer with the spinny wheel thing, and I'm getting the same one when I try to stream the game to lots of people, I'm probably not the person you need to tag on Twitter with your first, with like, with like, how help me solve this. Or, or, or when I'm like, dude, I'm not tech support. They're like, yeah, but you, Wizards will listen to you. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, I haven't. I. This is a true story. This is a fact because a lot of people think that if you're a successful content creator for a game, that you are like of that game. I have never been on the phone with somebody from Wizards of the Coast in my life. Yeah, yeah. Not even for a minute. You don't have some backdoor into some special club where you get like better arena than other people do. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, I've received some stuff in the mail from them. Only this year, by the way. Like this is a recent development, mm. but that's a that's as that's like that's as close as we get. And if I tweet at them that I'm angry that there's a black screen and everybody who plays Arena should get a refund for everything they bought today, I'm pretty sure that only makes me look like a bit of a crybaby. 
Yeah, a lot of people speculate that Day9 has some kind of special connection, right? Because because the mobile app works on his phone and not on other people's phone. But <laughs> yes, his bank account and wizards are closely aligned in a wire transfer situation. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah, if you think that Crokey's or Andrea Mangucci or Covert Go Blue or anyone else is getting the special treatment, I mean, just just watch the VODs. <laughs> watch the VODs oh, yeah. and you oh, yeah. will... You will win. So anyway, really hope that something gets done about that because uh, it's just, it's a bad look and the game really doesn't need it. Speaking of, speaking of swarms of bugs. Speaking of bug swarms, we are coming to the main event today and what a doozy. So there's many ways we could start this, but I think probably the first thing we need to get out of the way is a victory lap by CGB. For the sick meta read, I mean slow clap. Let's let's Aww. hear it in the back of the room mm. for the mm-hmm. guy who correctly ascertained that there was only one thing anyone was going to be doing in competitive Magic and Standard over this weekend. And tell us what that is, CGB. I tried to warn him. <laughs> I tried. I said Omnath was busted. I only had to read it. Didn't have to play it. That was in our spoiler show. This card is stupid. Free mana, free life, free card, because you get to draw a card. Free damage. Busted. Colors, who cares? Make it work. And I said it would be like 16 of them in a top eight. It was like my call, my quote hot take, right? I might have been too low. Like, if you saw, I don't know if it even counts, but there was like that first trial thing that was tweeted out by Fire Shoes, and it was like, I think it had seven Omnath decks. I, what the hell? What is this card? Oh my goodness. It's all anybody's talking about right now. So basically, Oro's buddies showed up to the party. It turned out that Oro was part of this gang of... Oh <laughs> of yeah. Oh freaking yeah nasties and they showed up man they they arrived they kicked the door down they they rolled in with the keg and here we are you know what's disgusting about it lay it on me i don't think uro's even the problem well exactly i mean (laughs) exactly if they banned uro tomorrow i think this might still be busted well i you know what's annoying to me about it is that in these oro in in these decks these omnath decks i feel like oro is like plan c Oro is the, okay, plans A and B didn't work out. Let's just get this guy back from the graveyard and kill him the old-fashioned way. Let's back it up a sec, because some people listening may not be familiar with what's happening. Do you want to run them through the kind of deck that you're talking about and what it does? Yeah, okay. So there were a lot of people trying a lot of different fun stuff at the early access, but the build basically revolved around some conglomeration of cards like this. You start with four cobras four lotus cobras and then whatever selection of kind of land rampy land fetchy cards you particularly like whether that's roiling regrowth could be cultivate just take your pick right whichever fetchy from the deck and put onto the battlefield spell you care to play in your deck playing some number of those and then of course trying to get omnath down as soon as possible leaning on your little body oro to bridge you between your early and your mid game and then the end game of this deck is something like chaining a bunch of uh, Genesis Ultimatums and our Escape to the Wilds with hopefully one or two Cobras in play and just dumping a bunch of lands onto the field in one turn, generating a bunch of extra mana and just completely dominating your opponent. So these decks have different kind of win cons. Some of them are running the Felidar Retreat. Some of them are trying to do like a fling thing with Rada. There's a number of different ways that you can end the game, uh, apart from just freaking overwhelming your opponent with your board presence. But that's kind of the idea with these decks. Am I missing anything key here? Not necessarily. There's flexibility in the deck, but it just kind of... Here, here's what you do. You play the Lotus Cobra. You play the turn three Omnath by generating a mana and playing an untapped land with the Lotus Cobra. If you manage to do this on turn two and turn three, on turn four, you will quite conceivably cast your entire deck. The end. So I I don't know about you. I played around with this archetype a lot because I was really trying to find the right configuration for it. 
And it started out very much as a hard ramp deck where just everything was super proactive. The version I played in a video a few days later was a little different. It was kind of meme because my win con was the crab, the mill crab. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you're going to play it. your whole deck, love it. you know, that's all those lands. You yeah. just mill them out. Yeah. Um, and then where I'm at now is a lot of interactive pieces. But in a nutshell, like, you're just playing absurdly good cards that just give you this explosive potential and the big explosive cards that you want to play off this is like escape to the wilds genesis ultimatum you can win all in one turn with this huge combo explosion finish or you can just play these cards and just get up like get like five for ones every turn for the rest of the game and pace yourself and the opponent is still going to die so this this deck is insanely robust because i think there's a lot of talk about it already, and judging from my YouTube comments, my Discord discourse, and Twitter, I think people really hate this deck. Do you do you get that? Something's got to go. Okay, okay. Already, we're not even trying to beat it. We're just just ban it, or I'm or I or I I'm going to rage. Is I mean, that where we're at? okay, it's definitely worth trying to attack. However, I've been thinking about this, as I'm sure anyone who doesn't want to be playing this deck and who wants to try to figure out a way to beat it, of course, has been thinking about it. One of the issues with a deck like this is that it doesn't attack on one angle. So it's kind of like you deal with the Cobra, okay, that slows them down a little bit. You counter the Ultimatum, all right, that slows them down a little bit. But it's like, how do you come up with a deck which A, has enough removal for the Cobra, B runs enough counter spells to hit literally every single spell in their deck that costs four or more mana on reliably, right? And C, deal with Oro if you, you know, manage to execute both of those original plans. I mean, not to mention the deck runs blue mana, right? They can run their own interaction. So yeah, I mean, okay, maybe it's a little bit premature for me to just be calling for bans, but it's just very hard for me to imagine this deck with all of its moving pieces continuing on into the meta game and people feeling motivated to play magic with that going on. Ooh. All right. So already Colin, like, like, like burnt out on format on day three, potentially. I, I have to say, CGB, I've been trying and I will continue to try. But yeah, this meta is just looking messed up. Like this is not Garuda. You know what I mean? Oh, I want to, yeah, I want to touch on that because that's, you know, people were saying stuff like Garuda's too strong. You can't do anything about it. It's like you counted that one Garuda, you were fine. You wrathed your opponent's mana creatures, you were fine. There were so many ways to beat that deck. This is not Garuda. Yeah, their quote Garuda, the big payoff thing that they're going for is like another draw, isn't even the draw five. It's the thing that enables the draw fives, right? They might play eight draw fives in their deck and if any of them resolve you're just buried so yeah that was one of the conversations i wanted to have is this gyruda or is this wilderness reclamation and i i think it's i don't think it's even close to gyruda because any of these cards are good enough to beat you on their own and that's nope. a huge problem you know what this deck reminds me of this actually reminds me of of a fires deck where they get their troublesome four mana permanent down and then it's just kind of game over i feel like uh, the the card that omnath reminds me of more than anything else is fires of invention very different card but i think that the way the deck plays out and the patterns and the kind of oops your deadness of it and the kind of snowballing advantage it reminds me a lot of fires of invention and it's one of these cards it's one of these decks where even if you deal with the enabler, aka fires or the Omnath or whatever, it's just running, the deck is like 50% top end. And so they could just at any moment top deck a Kenrith, right? These decks are playing Kenrith. They could just top deck an ultimatum. They could top deck an Ugin or whatever. And so you just have to live in constant fear of the top of your opponent's deck. And I think that's a really good comparison. And the weird thing is I sit here thinking about the band Fires of Invention, banned for being far too powerful. And I think about that card. And I think about Omnath, and it's like, yeah, the mana boost and the life and the damage is sort of like what a Cavalier would do. 
but what if fires of invention also drew a card when it entered the battlefield? Uh, oh my god <laughs> because oh omnath does can you imagine this this card and fires were supposed to be in the same standard yeah bonkers it, just bonkers the mana cost was literally supposed to be zero on omnath yeah, can you imagine slamming a Fires and an Omnath in the same turn? I'm starting to... Hey, new new stream showdown idea. No band standard. Oh, <laughs> just do Fires. Snap. We'll just play Oko Fires Omnath. Yeah, I, I, you know, I would love to see if Oko could keep up with these Omnath decks. That would be, that would be a good time. Throw in Once Upon a Time to find your Omnath. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. It feels like playing Modern or something. Anyway... So we, we've both gotten a little hyperbolic about this deck, but y'all, if you haven't seen this deck in action, it is really something to behold. I have not seen a deck go off this hard in standard for a long time. We're talking it's normal to watch your opponent cast three Genesis Ultimatums in the same turn. And, and we're not talking like this isn't turn 10. This is turn five. You know what I mean? It's nuts. The thing that I think is going to draw all the hate is that this deck, when you're doing your thing, when you're the one going off, it's actually not easy. I still have no idea how to maximize my go-off turns because every single play is like cascading decisions. How much? What mana do I make with my Lotus Cobra and how much? When do I fetch with my Fabled Passage? How do I make sure that if I draw into Genesis Ultimatum, I have the mana available to cast it? Like It's actually insanely difficult. And then at the end of all that, you have to find the victory. So depending what your win con is like i was using crabs people have used terror of the peaks i've got a thassa's oracle right now you mentioned kenrith to give giant beanstalk critters haste there's the land that is a fling on the other side kazandal's fury something like that kazuel's fury with a beanstalk giant that's an option all of these win cons like you have to set those up too and you have to play carefully so that you don't accidentally leave yourself dead so it takes time and in the early access event, you know, I, I, I did my time. I sat there and watched people go off until they killed me. And it was not uncommon on turn, like, I believe there was a game that I played where it was like turn four. And I, they, their turn took 30 minutes. So how is that fun? For, like, they are making interesting decisions, but it's hard work. Okay, it's challenging. I grant that. The weird thing is that most of those decisions, they feel like they matter, but they kind of don't because if they did happen to pass the turn, they're up by so much that there's no way I can catch up. Whereas I am just sitting there. Like I have like as the person on the other end, I have nothing I can do and I can just wait and see if they mess up. But that's 30 minutes of my life. A lot of people play 3 to 4 games of arena in that time. So it's a real tilt just to watch this happen. I, I don't know how many people have scooped to me on ladder lately, on ladder, by the way, to turn to Lotus Cobra. They just untapped, looked, they looked at their hand, they said, I can't kill this. They scooped. Yeah, and you know what? I have to be perfectly honest. I was testing non-Oro decks in the early access event, and I did actually get to a point where I was I, I scooped a couple games to the turn two Cobra, which was completely against the spirit of the event, and it was yep. completely bad manners. Yep. Literally, my chat did not want to watch it. You know what I yeah. mean? It was yeah, like, it's true. my viewers have already been seeing this all day. I'm sick of it. They're sick of it. Let's move on to the next game. So it didn't feel yeah. good, but I was just like, listen, bro, if you're going to keep playing Cobra in this event, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. I just, I just didn't want to play it against it anymore. I understand. Do we want to talk about potentially, like, without anything getting banned, like, we are living in a world. Do you want to talk about beating it a bit? Yeah, okay, I would love to. One of the first places my mind went, and I wonder if this is why you ended up playing this in the early access as well, but one of the first places my mind went to beating it was playing Control. And mm. one of one of my thoughts was just that, you know, this deck plays a not a lot of enablers and relatively fewer boom booms, and all of the boom booms cost a lot of mana. And so I think standard magic theory would and and who knows whether this holds up right but standard magic theory would dictate that if your opponent is is only playing x number of cards in their deck that matter resolving 
then if you're running a lot of counter spells and a few ways to manage the board, you might be able to get very far ahead playing control against a deck like that. So that was kind of my first thought on it. Is is that kind of what you were thinking when you were putting together these control decks? I think I was thinking I've been streaming for like 12 hours and I'm just going to do something I can autopilot. But, okay. <laughs> um, I, I, I think I bet, like, traditionally looking at an Uro deck makes me never want to play control, quite yep. honestly, because yep, I always fair. think I can't grind with them is what's on my mind. But I think I think that assumption was wrong. I think that control can grind with them. And a lot of what you're talking about with counter spells was what I was going to bring up. That blue is incredibly important. There really isn't a card in any of the other colors that answers Omnath favorably because if Omnath hits the battlefield, they're already up a card and potentially four life if they hit their land drop, right? So you can kill it, but they're still ahead of you. And only blue cards really stop that from happening. So Mystical Dispute, we thought wasn't going to be as big of a player going forward because it had to counter Teferi Time Raveler and stuff like that. And now it's like, no, you have to counter Omnath. You have to counter Genesis Ultimatum. You have to counter Escape to the Wilds. All these need to be countered. And if you can do it for one mana, that's amazing. Yeah, so, it, it might it might be more relevant now than ever, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Mystical Dispute is... In many ways, that's where things are similar to Gyruda, because as soon as you remember it's a card and start playing it, you get a little of your hope back. And so Mystical Dispute's really important. The other card I started running the crap out of is Essence Scatter. Mm, interesting. And so the control decks, as we got used to them, lived in a world with Teferi, Time Raveler, for the most part, which meant that we couldn't be Stone Cold dead to one. So we played a whole bunch of sorcery speed stuff. And it, like, you know, a bunch of Elspeth Conqueror's death is a huge example. Like, all these decks kind of became tap-out decks. Narset, uh, the three-mana Narset who rotated, the four-mana Narset who's still legal. Like, all these control decks have been tap-out decks because we didn't want to lose because our opponent played Teferi Time Raveler. And that card is gone. And now it's almost like going way back in time to continue the Teferi analogy, I don't want to play tap out threats anymore. Like my blue-white control deck was down to, I think, two Elspeth Conqueror's death, none of the new Jace, none of the M21 Teferi, none of that. I'm playing Brazen Bar, no glass casket, right? I'm, I'm not tapping mana on my turn. I'm playing Brazen Borrower, Essence Scatter, Neutralize, Mystical Dispute. I have Shatter the Sky as my, they played creatures, so I guess I play this card. And then, like, Shark Typhoon. I'm killing him with Shark Typhoon. I don't even want to tap out for Dream Trawler. It's no Fey of Wishes, which was a big card for me for a long time. Um, so yeah, it's back to an old school blue-white. And the only things I'm tapping out for are to cast my seven mana sorcery lands. And that's why... <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, yeah. This is where the deck can grind now. Yeah. You know what I mean? It never floods out. Because blue-white has so many of the lands that aren't terrible. There's the Sensor land... That's like pay one more for Spike Land for two mana. Mm -hmm. I'm never. I'm. I have a terrible time. I cannot remember the names of the land cards. To be honest, uh, none of us can. I mean, okay. we're all getting. <laughs> but I'm. I'm guessing you're running four of Salundi Vision, right? The uh, the search up one. Not for sure. I've been in and out on that one. I like it, but I found I never have time to cast it because oh, okay. I'm just under pressure every yeah. single turn. That's so fair. if I'm picking, like if I'm picking between that and any kind of counter spell. I wanted the counter spell ones. Got it. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure that when I'm describing this blue white deck, a lot of people probably hear what I have to say and say, oh, so that's what we have to do to compete. I'm off it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. I don't know if you're just following on the lead that I laid here. Was control a place that you were really thinking of going to combat these decks as well? Or no. What do you think? Okay. I think in serious standard, in like the long term, you can beat control and that these decks have the tools and will pick control apart because the Omnath deck can also play Mystical Dispute and become an interactive deck itself. Like it, like if control adjusts too hard, the Omnath deck still has this endless card advantage from Uro. And I haven't even looked that close, but I'm sure there's a bunch of spells they can play that say can't be countered on them. 
because there's a whole bunch of those in Magic these days. I mean, they can play that. They can play that freaking six six Bayloth, right? Like, what am I gonna do? <laughs> Worried Full about the circle. Bayloth. Yeah. So that wasn't where I was gonna go. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll just finish my thoughts on control. So, so one of my first stops, because I just thought this might be an effective thing to do, is I actually revived the um, the is it tempo deck. I think it was what is it flash maybe from the previous format because I thought this deck might have some good tools to beat this archetype. A of all, it's got plenty of interaction that can kill the Cobra. So I liked that about it. B of all, it can run uh, plenty of counter spells. And C of all, it has these good adventure creatures that can potentially pressure the opponent pretty early while also holding up counter magic. Because one of my worries against these decks is that I I feel like you're going to have a hard time late gaming them. Because like we said, they're just going to draw too many copies of Oro. They're going to eventually resolve that freaking Ugin, you know, when you run out of counter spells. So I didn't, you know, I didn't want for my opponent to have super long to go. So I was running this deck with like two Ember Cleaves and a bunch of counter spells and Bone Crusher and Brazen Borrower. And I even had a couple of Fae of Wishes to maybe nab a Sorcerer's Spyglass from the sideboard or just nab another counter spell, if, you know, to solve a couple of problems. So I've been, I've been playing on the ladder with this deck, and I have to say it hasn't been bad. It hasn't been bad so far against this deck, but I've run into a couple of problems, which is the deck actually doesn't have that much closing power, and it's hard to find a turn where you can tap out to cast your Ember Cleave on your Borrower, and they gain enough life and and yada 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 and you you know you can't counter the front side of that ro so you, you know because you just need to keep your counter spells for the things that matter and so they end up gaining enough life and basically i was just having a hard time closing these games and then you know the deck in general is just low powered especially against anything else in the format so i ended up thinking yeah this deck's probably not not the way but it was something that i tried which had some results I was happy with. You touched on a lot of things in there that I really wanted to get to. So I think it I think you were on, you were bordering on the way. It, it's kind <laughs> of the way. Maybe maybe the deck wasn't the right deck, but maybe the the ideas or the answers were were pointed in the right direction. I think some amount of the theory was sound from the sounds of things. So we didn't get to talk about this deck because so much happened, but at the very end of M21 standard before the rotation happened. I was playing a lot with an Is It deck that was not a Sprite Dragon. Um, it wasn't Sprite Dragon Riddle Form Stormwing Entity. It wasn't Is It Prowess, right? It was what you're saying the adventure creatures, counter magic, interaction, and then it went kind of over, it went over the top with Gadwick, really. It played Gadwick, drew a bunch of cards on the turn when you were sure your opponent couldn't hurt you too badly, and then you were far enough ahead that you could carry it. It also ran Embercleave and Shark Typhoon. So my usual end sequence was make a giant shark on end step, Embercleave it win. Just like a one turn kill kind of a thing. Sometimes, yeah. 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 Um, so a few things I found for that deck. Uh, Thyric, Thrix? Thyrix? Yep, yes. Yeah, the, the Sudden the Storm. Sudden storm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a cool so card. Now what that card does is block target Omnath. Mm, okay, yeah. That's kind of spicy. It's a 4-5, uh, Flash for 5, that reduces cost, so gets you another pip on your Gadwick. So I, I'm into the Is It Flash because it does combine some of what I'm going to talk about for beating this style of deck as it currently is. You need a clock, and you need to interact. You need both. The adventure creatures, um, red is good because it kills Cobra, right? Keep Cobra from beating you. Blue is good because it stops Omnath. The other color that can kill Cobra is black because of Blood Chief's Thirst and some other two-mana removal like Drown in the Lock and such. So I think it starts there. I also wonder, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on this. Are we interested in any amount of hand disruption or is that just not what we're trying to do? What I found is the answer to primarily be no. I've had my opponent agonizing remorse me three times taking Uro Escape to the Wilds Genesis Ultimatum, but I top decked Escape to the Wilds. And then I cast Genesis Ultimate. And then it's just off to the races. Did yeah. not care. Yeah. yeah. 
There may be something in the Demure Realm with Seagate, Stormcaller, and Agonizing Remorse to make it more than just a one-off, but I'm mostly interested in killing them quickly and cheaply countering and killing the things that they're putting all this mana into. So for me, that's revisiting the Izzet deck and also the the other deck that I'm really interested in is Demir Rogues. I think that deck, no matter what people say, like you, your concerns are shared by everybody that you mill their Uro and they beat you to death with it. So let me let me stress that when I'm playing Rogues, I am definitely thinking that my opponent is going to try to bring back Uro and I don't plan to lose to it. It's not something I've forgotten about. Like my Rogues deck has Lofty Denial, Drown in the Lock, Mystical Dispute. When they do their four mana sorcery, bring back Uro, yes, they get to eat some of their graveyard, but I just counter the effect and go right right on killing them. So I've had a ton of success with Demir Rogues. Like, that deck is killing it for me. I saw a post on Twitter, someone saying that they'd done a pretty good job in the CFB showdown, running Og rogues against the Omnath decks, saying that the mill plan in some cases was fairly effective because they play a lot of cards off the top of that deck, man. You can get there. So, but it's tough. Like, okay, I was also, I was watching Oliver 2 stream with the Omnath deck and his opponent had the nuts. I mean, his opponent had the stone cold nuts. You know, they had their turn one wind robber and they, they just like, they curved perfectly. They smacked with a Zareth Sun on turn four. They stole a Kenrith out of Oliver's graveyard. They assembled this massive board in no time. And Oliver got one Oro back from the graveyard. They couldn't deal with it. It brickwalled the entire team. And then, you know, yeah. he just resolved like a couple of key spells and just won the game. Yeah, what you what you watched wasn't the nuts. Because we didn't get to it, but Zareth is kind of a scam. Zareth is a scam. Okay, okay. Like you That's move in on that card. Yeah, you move in on that card on turn four. You might steal some cool permanent, but if the opponent untaps and plays Genesis, Ultimatum, or Ugin, it doesn't matter. Okay, you so, do that, not so that's a good out. take. So so we're not on we're not on the Zareth plan then. Yeah, you do not tap out for that card. If you have that card in that matchup, you might play it on an end step sometimes, but that card is mostly scam. That card probably shouldn't be in the deck at all. That's good to know. So we're definitely looking, what you're saying is we're definitely looking to play more of a flash plan than like a super proactive rogues deck. Yeah, and uh, Nighthawk Scavenger, that is a freaking sweet card. That is probably unplayable in a com- in the competitive best of three world. Okay. Absolute bomb in best of one because there's still a ton of mono red and mono green, and they just if you protect that card, they can't win. But when we're talking about the Omnath matchup and we're talking about what best of three is going to become, you probably can't play Scavenger unless you're going to like put one or two in a sideboard. And even then, I'm not sure that's right. Like Zerasan and Scavenger are sweet cards that in best of three belong in the sideboard. And that's it. That's good to know. Do you have a list that you would be happy for us to include with this week's episode? Because if you do, I'll definitely list it in the show notes. Uh, Sure. I have a video going live tomorrow, but it's playing some of the cards I talked about because it's best of one. Yeah. For best of three, I didn't make a sideboard plan, but I'll I'll ship you one. (laughs) Okay. I mean, you know, we could do either. (laughs) Yeah. Because, you know, I, I would definitely include that if we had something, you know, just for people to go with. Okay, so what I'm hearing is that we've we've both decided that some amount of highly interactive, counterspell dense, clocky, tempo-y deck <laughs> is looking to be our initial best answer to these Omnath decks. Is that is that kind of where, where we're putting the period on that particular statement? And if those decks get popular enough to push Omnath down in metagame share, then aggro can come back because aggro's often a bit favored against a tempo-y deck because the, bo- the bodies aren't as strong. So there's potential for a real meta. The problem is going to be if people even go to the steps they need to go to to beat Omnath. I'm, I'm seeing people who aren't just aren't willing to and just want to turn around and be like i'm done like i talked about cutting zarasan i bet there are people out there who are like that's the sweet new card never mind i'm just not gonna play standard i crafted four yesterday and now i'm sad 
You yeah, know? yeah. Here's one thing that I can definitively say is that if you think that Teamer Adventure is the go over the top deck in this new format, that is not the hero that we currently need to tackle these Omnath decks. I wanted to talk about Teamer Adventure though, because I think it, I think it's got a shot. I know that's your jam, man. So this was my experience. All right, I played one game. And it told me everything I ever needed to know about this matchup. So, and it was, I had a sweet start too. I was running Teamer Adventure and in the flex slots, I was running Lotus Cobra because think about it, think about Mm -hmm. it. It's nice. You get down your Clover, turn three or whatever, you know, you, you, uh, get your beanstalk giants going you put a bunch of untapped lands into play and then the cobra gives you more mana right so i had one of these sweet turns where i went it was probably turn four or something where you know i had a cobra out i did the whole sequence i generated a bunch of mana i kind of went off i played a bunch of stuff i was feeling good about it and my opponent untaps and they're like play three genesis ultimatums you're dead and i was like oh (laughs) you know what i mean i felt like i was playing Mm -hmm. a draft deck in like a modern tournament that's how i felt yeah and and by no fault of your own you definitely want to try things out but you were trying to play their game on a smaller scale which is that's a problem that you're getting at right that's with adventure yeah i was i was just like there's, there's there's no there is literally no one turn sequence my deck can execute earlier than turn 10 which can keep up with what they're doing on turn five. That was, you know, that was kind of how I felt about it. So when I've played against Adventures with Omnath, I haven't played with Adventures yet, but I've had some games where I was like, this person is trying to show me the way, you know what I mean? Because they can go like Clover into Beanstalk Giant into Interaction, and then they are competing with you in a very strong way. Uh, They have Bonecrusher Giant, so they're one of the decks that can also kill your Cobra. They can also kill Omnath when combined with a Clover, which is really nice. But what my opponents did in each situation is they, well, they always had Clover, let me stress that. The And they had Beanstalk Giant to get up their mana. So then once they had some mana on the battlefield, they would Fae of Wishes, and they grabbed like I, Mystical Dispute, Negate. And then next turn they played another clover and an escape to the wilds they countered my thing the turn after that they played another Bay of wishes and you know what they got mystical dispute negate neutralize yeah they probably have like a full a full suite of counter spells in the book yeah yeah, yeah. and i was like oh okay <laughs> it's not terrible uh, this is what i see there is i see like your your high roll is competing 50-50 with the Omnath deck's mid-roll. That's what I'm seeing there, you know? The problem there is that, like, yeah, now your Edgewall Innkeeper game plan is crap. Yeah, like you used to have this, you used to have this sweet creature game plan where you just play Innkeeper and some adventure creatures and you pressure them that way, and sometimes you just win. And now it's almost reliant on getting your Clover engine or you don't keep up with them. But the deck still has that potential maybe there's a way to maximize it i'm just something i'm throwing out there yeah the deck is still strong and maybe if you tune it you know if you adjust your slots i this is what i was thinking is that if i were going to try to tune teamer adventure to beat these omnath decks i would probably retire the lovestruck beast altogether Wow. Yeah. Mono Red is so happy to hear that. I mean, you know, it, it definitely in best of do three, what you gotta do. you'd still want them in the board. But yeah, I would fill those slots with mystical disputes and, and other such things because the beast is just beyond terrible against these Omnath decks. It's like the worst card in your deck. That would be where I would start for that deck. So let's talk about the rest of the meta, right? Because we've identified two big new players on the scene in the form of some form of rogues, some form of Omnath. It seems that both of those decks are probably at the top of the week one meta right now. Is there anything else that we've seen? Like, I know that Crokies has been brewing around with Winota, but I don't know if that's a meme or not. Do you think Winota has a place? Well, if he's playing it, he believes in it. Winota, the problem with Winota right now is that the humans aren't game ending, you know? He seasoned Hollowblade? <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> no. You know what I mean? That's a cute little creature that you have on the ground. Does it beat my Uro? Creatures on the ground that don't have haste are really sad. 
Like, Annex is supposed to be a really great card, and he's holding his own when he has a sword in his hand. He's a tough guy. But I don't... I don't get the Winota thing right now. Maybe there's a deck that's good enough. I would look at Mardu or Jeskai just because I need to hit I need I need multiple bodies and I need hits that matter. I'm thinking of hits like Baron can be very tempo positive. You could also run the new core exile a thing card whose name is so hard for me to remember. Skyclave Apparition. Skyclave Apparition. <laughs> I just want to call it the Core Spirit, but I know there are others. Together, CGB, between the two of us, we can we maybe this. remember names of some of the magic cards. <laughs> You're doing better than I am right now. I was. Do- I usually do really good. This one has so many flip cards. I just and and the only distinguishing characteristic is that they flip, and on the front side is a card from our past, and on the back side is a tapped land, and I. Like, why should I know the name of this card? Yeah, and I'm never going to remember the name of these lands. Literally, Bayin Vale, who knows? Who knows what that land is? If I say Fling Land, you know what I mean. If I say Regrowth Land, you probably know what I mean. The Sensa Land, that's that's where we're at. But anyway, I I hope that there is a good Winota deck, but I'm not convinced. Winota gets punished if everybody's interactive with Omnath anyway. Because Winota, in its way, is Omnath that requires certain things on the board to be effective, whereas Omnath just requires land. So Winota feels like worse Omnath to me, so I don't have a lot of hope. You know what else feels like worse Omnath to me is Questing Beast. Ooh, really? Ouch. Questing Beast. I've seen Questing Beast on the battlefield against these Omnath decks, and it is embarrassing. It is embarrassing. I th- I think that mono green is a deck you just, I don't know, rip. I think you can't be sleeving it up right now. It does feel like it's not going to get there. Like The part that I think changed a lot of things that people are going to need time to come to terms with is the four life from Omnath. Yeah. That is such a beating. And if you play a Fabled Passage, say the life is more important than the mana, if you have an Omnath and you play a Fable Passage, you gain four life. You can say go, sack the Passage on their turn, gain another four life to yeah. set up for your next turn if you didn't have something important to do with the mana. And of course, if they did, you're just dead probably. Yeah, and if you resolved an Oro any time before that Omnath came down, you're at like 20... So- I mean, it's so embarrassing. I was at the early access event. I had this experience multiple times. I was playing this like Boros Party Warriors deck had a great curve. I had some pretty good Embercleave turns. Deck felt pretty sweet. Felt like a pretty good place to start for aggro week one. And I had these games where it's like turn four and I've got a number of creatures on the board and I've been getting sideways and whatever. And I'm at 12 and my Omnath opponent's at 24. And I'm like, how did we get here, man? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, how has their deck managed to do me more damage than I've done them? It's just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, it's... It is, and if you're going to be a deck that attacks with creatures on the ground, I, I feel like Embercleave is the only It's the only hope. way. It's the only hope. Yeah, yeah. So Mono Green doesn't have Embercleave. You want to play the Great Henge? Have a nice grind. No. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? And I'll tell you what, like Mono Green could sometimes beat one Oro, but it can never beat like an Omnath and an Oro and, you know, Genesis Ult or whatever. You just, you just cannot. You cannot do it, so... And they can't disrupt it for the most part. No. Like maybe a Primal Might after playing a one-drop kills your Cobra, but yeah. you have to trade your creature. It's pretty gross. Yeah, and it's like any aggro deck could conceivably have a good game against like a middling to mediocre draw from the Omnath deck. But play those games out, play those matches out. I give the Omnath deck like easy 60% in the aggro matchup right now. And uh, there, we're also got, we've got listeners out there, I guarantee because these are the kind of people who leave me comments every day, that they are having no problem beating Omnath right now. You know, they're, they're playing aggro, they're playing mono green, they're having no problems. And I want to stress this as much as I can. These decks aren't even in their final form. No. Like, they have awkward draws and cards in them that don't quite line up, and their mana bases aren't built well. When the, when the real decks, when, when the tuned deck lists get out there, that are going to come out probably this weekend because of tournaments like the Hooglandia Open and the Channel Fireball Showdown. When those decks get out there, 
and people can net deck their Omnath mana bases, you're going to get a very different experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, what we've been seeing here is just auto greed piles, right? I mean, these are some of the greediest decks I've ever seen. They're just, cra- you know, they've got four Escape to the Wilds. They've got four Ultimatums. They're running Terror of the Peaks and just, you know, every ridiculous nonsense you can think of all in one deck. And I'm totally with you. Like when they get, when when we get dialed in on like this is the number of ultimate to me escape to the wildsy kind of stuff we want this is the number of land rampy things we want this is the number of top end threat finishes we want etc etc and then you know they start running their own interaction right it's a four color deck they can play whatever they want and talk about best of three imagine the sideboard in one of these four color decks they can play literally almost whatever they want so yeah it's it's just going to be no contest basically we will see. It's already looking absolutely nutty. But hey, for a palate cleanser, how many uh, scoot swarms did you see on the battlefield at once? <laughs> I mean, post early access, zero. <laughs> oh, come on. Okay. I So somebody went off against me, and it was, I think, around 700 before game timed out and she came to my chat afterwards and said i'm so sorry that was my first time playing the deck i was like cool first time playing my deck too went better for you (laughs) (laughs) seemed all right seemed decent. yeah so at least for the memers out there you can play an omnath deck full of boot swarms and disguise it as jank and yeah maybe there's hope there for you casuals so I'll tell you one thing that I've been having fun with in the in the casual play queue, and which has been definitely smashing some people, is I've thrown together a version of this, you know, the red-green landfall beatdown deck. And that that deck has legs. So for anyone who's looking for a super budget deck, this is like one of the more budget aggro decks that you can build. Most of the cards in it are commons and uncommons. And you can have some pretty naughty sequences where, you know, you're just demolishing your opponent on turn four or whatever. And especially these Omnath decks aren't very interactive. They don't typically run that much removal or other disruption. And so sometimes you can just kind of curve out and not on them. So if you're looking for like a fun play queue beta, I'll include my deck list here. And it's not fully tuned, but, you know, it's just a fun place to start. You'll probably win some games in the play queue with it. Is the sword lit? The the sword is definitely lit. Then it is, I dub the legit. Just like you said, man, like if you're running an aggro deck without Ember Cleave in this format, what are you even trying to do with your life? I think that we're coming to the end of the show here. Is there anything else that you have seen in the standard meta which has stood out to you so far? No, actually. Yeah. I think that, I think that if you are serious about either tuning this deck, this Omnath deck, or beating it, I think that you have to consider playing a good amount of blue, uh, do the stuff that we talked about, get them dead, get them dead. Uh, is it Demir? I still want to work on blue-white control, but I don't think it's the long-term way. Or tune the Omnath deck. There's still room to do a lot of things with it. I think those are where your, sh- your eyes should be if... Your eye is on the mythic prize of the ladder. Okay, here's something I'm thinking about which has stood out to me so far. Just in looking at what we've got to work with, and especially with the pathways and etc, etc, I'm feeling like successful aggro decks in this format are probably going to be at least two colors. Maybe two colors is the solid place to go. One of the problems is just that I feel like post-rotation, any of these single color decks just don't quite seem to have all of the pieces in place to get it done. So I feel like if I were trying to play really competitively right now, I probably would not be playing mono red. I probably would not be playing mono green. I would be looking to do a Boros list, a Gruel list, etc. Do you think that I'm on the right track there? Yep. And if you're picking two color combos, definitely look for a color combination with a pathway so your mana isn't abysmal. I found that colors that have a pathway and Fable Passage to go with it aren't terrible. So go for it. 
Yeah, and just watch your double cost threats. Watch how many annexes you put into these decks, etc. Try to bias yourself towards maybe if your double color threats are like questing beast as opposed to some of the cheaper ones, so that you can more reliably have both colors by the time you're trying to get them down. You need to pick the best. If you're going to win with aggro right now, you need to pick the very, very best of the best and hope to get it down in a very tight curve and give your opponent no room whatsoever to do anything else in the game. And uh, yeah, we just the card pool is not that big, so you gotta you gotta branch out, and every card's gotta count. I think. Hard agree. Totally agree. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the show. Even though I'm kind of frustrated at the state of just rampy mana nonsense magic right now, I am excited to tackle this matter. And I know that you and I are going to be doing a lot of working and thinking over the next week to see if we can get a little bit closer to cracking the tough nut, which is this format right now. So I'm excited to come back next week and talk more standard with you, CGB. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Awesome. And until then, may you always have Omnath and Fable Passage together, because that's fair. Peanut butter <laughs> and chocolate. All right. Well, thanks for listening to another week of the Arena Craft Podcast. You can find us all of the places you can find podcasts. We're also on Spotify. We are on YouTube. Swing by, leave a comment. We love our YouTube followers. I've been streaming a little bit more ArenaCraft podcast on Twitch, so stop by. Someday I will have a streaming schedule. You can also catch Covert Go Blue on his stream Monday through Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern time. Thanks, buddy. I will catch you next week. Later. Peace.